Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that we can come, Lord, as a youth group, Lord, to have fun, Lord, fellowship together, sing together, and then, Lord, ultimately sit around your word. And God, I ask you to please help us as we dive in tonight, Lord, that you'd give us something on our hearts that we can ch- change to be more like you. Lord, I ask you to help me, Lord, as I preach once again, Lord, to be able to share the truth, Lord, right where these teenagers can get it, and Lord, then apply it to their lives. We need your help. And so, Lord, we look to you. We'll thank for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, now, when I ask this, listen carefully. How many of you have ever, like, not just had a bad day and you thought life was coming to end, but have been to on a point in your life where you actually thought you were going to die? Like, it's like, you, there was not, it wasn't just like, oh, this is a bad day. Yeah, I feel whole <laughs> two, two or three times a week. <laughs> but as you're going, you say, I've actually thought I was going to die. Like, I actually thought. Alright, I've had multiple days and most of the time things I was doing, I probably shouldn't have been doing. So, as we look at that, tune in, stay with me. Don't start telling your story to the person beside you. If you, if, if you have had the experience, I want you to think, just for a moment, I know most of the time when we think we're about to die, we look at those experiences later and laugh about them. But I want you to look at the situation that Paul is in. That Paul is about to die. Like, and we talked about this over and over again. This is one of the greatest Christians, arguably, that's ever lived. And he's about to die, and he's writing Timothy, and these are his famous last words. I know that he goes on, and we're going to talk about the rest of the things he says, but these are his famous last words that everybody remembers. If you ask people, what are Paul's last words, you'll get in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. So, Paul is right about to go and have his head removed from his body. Now, I was telling some of you guys here, I know this is kind of dumb, but it was the way it was. Saturday night and the Sunday, I had a weird dream. And I told some of you guys about my weird dream. I had a dream that somehow these people came to me, and I don't even know all the ins and outs, but I had to kill myself for this youth group. It was like crazy. And I remember like, it was the way something happened was, I had to die or... The things were going to happen to you guys. And I remember as I was walking, like in this dream, I was walking through the hallways out here, and we had this huge youth group that I didn't even know most of the kids in, but I knew you guys, like most of you guys, and I would pass some in the hall. And I remember walking in this dream, I was walking down the hall, and I would like see a couple of me and just to like stop and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to be back to youth group anymore. I just want to let you know I'm, I'm going to be leaving. And so, and as we were walking, as I'm walking back, and I remember there was a couple of people sitting in my office, and I came and sat down at my office desk in this dream, and I sat down at the desk, and I, the people that were sitting there, and I just started crying, and I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm not coming back. I'm never going to see you guys again. And I, and I went through the, the whole thing, and as I snapped up from this dream because my alarm clock went off, and I was like, what in the world? But even though, you know how when you have a dream, and it's like, even though it's not real, it still like makes you like feel kind of like, whoa, like what in the world is going through my mind when I dream that? Like when we look at Paul, he is seriously facing death. Like he is going to die for preaching the gospel. And he tells his, he has three parts to his last words. Then I don't want to look at those because I think they're key. If you're going to ask the greatest Christian on earth, what was the last thing you want to leave us with? What are your last words? I think Paul would give his testimony in these three parts. So let's look at them for just a little bit. The three pieces to Paul's last words. First, second Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says this. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So, three pieces to Paul's last words. Number one, the reality of death. The reality of death. Verse number six, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. The word offered means to devote one's life or blood as a sacrifice. For I am now ready to be offered. The word offered has the idea of in Jewish times and even back in the day, back in olden times, what they would do is they would pour out a drink before a deity, before a god, sometimes false gods, a lot of pagans did it. And this is what Paul would be referring to. If you know in 2 Samuel, I believe it's chapter number uh, 23. 2 Samuel 23, David, the king David, is sitting around and he says, Oh, that I can have some water from the well of Bethlehem. It's, he's talking about his mighty men. He's telling the story of his mighty men. And he says, Oh, if I can just get some water from the well of Bethlehem. And there were some of his mighty men, these are his big guys, his key people, who heard him say that. And they got together and they said, we're going to get David some water from the well of Bethlehem. And the Bible says they go through past enemy lines, like hardcore action style movie here. Like they go through, they kill enemies, they get David a drink of water. And they bring it back to David. And David says, I can't drink this. You guys risked your life for this. And David poured the water out on the ground to God. Now, I know us in our culture, we're saying, what? I would do all that, and you're not going to drink this water? You better take at least a sip before you pour it out. But for them, they looked at it, and they would call it an offering. I'm pouring this water on the ground to God because I am not ready to drink this. This is what Paul's saying. I am now ready to be poured out. He's spilled. For God. So he knows. He knows he's about to die. And these are the things he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, I'm ready to be spilled. I'm ready to be poured up all of me to God as a sacrifice. He goes on. And he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. The word time means the appointed time. The appointed time. The word has the same idea. If you look through it and see how it's used, throughout the New Testament, you see that it has the same idea as if you were going to get on an airplane and your ticket said you had to be there because the bus is going, I mean, the airplane is going to leave, so you need to be there at a certain time. This is what Paul's saying. I am ready to be offered and the time. I have a time in my life that is going to end. He's saying I'm, the time appointed has come. And he goes on. He says, I am, the time part is at hand. I'm going further this point. Paul was aware that his death was near but he was prepared for it. Paul was aware that his death was near, but he was aware, prepared for it. Now let me ask you this, as we look at it, and not trying to be, we're not trying to get like all dark and sad here tonight, but I am going to ask you, are you prepared to die? Are you prepared? Like we, we talk, we, we talk about soul winning all the time. Well, you ask, are you 100% sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And I'm not even asking that. I'm asking right now, Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And right now, if I ask you the question, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And you would say, I have no idea. You've got to be ready to die. Like, we have to be prepared. But let me ask you this. If you are saved, are you ready to die? 
if right now you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, and you know that if right now you on your way home, you drove and maybe you got a car accident, I hope that doesn't happen. But that happens, and you have to go stand before God. Are you ready? Are you ready to die? Do you know, as the song would say, there's nothing between my soul and my Savior? See, this is Paul. Like, arguably, like I said, one of the greatest Christians ever lived. He says, I am ready to be offered. I'm ready. I'm ready to pour it out before God. And the time of my departure is hand. The time, hey, I'm ready to get on the plane, so to speak. I know the time is coming that I'm going to have to check my card and I'm going out of here. And I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Can, can we say that? Can I say that? I mean, I'm not going to say I want to. I mean, I would love to see my kids grow up. I would love to see me and my wife get old together one day and be that weird couple that still holds hands and they're like 92 years old and like all bent over. I would like to be that someday. But you know what? I need, also need to be prepared to meet Christ. And Paul here says with confidence, not arrogantly, hey, I'm ready to be poured out. My life, I'm ready to just give it all. I'm ready to die. The time of my departure. Hey, he goes on in verse number two. So we have the reality of death in James four fourteen through fifteen. You can read through it. And number two, the reason for his desire. So he says, "I'm ready. I understand the death is a reality. I'm ready. So why is the reason for his desire to go to heaven?" Number, I, the first blank there. I have fought a good fight. Fought a good fight means generally, if you look it up, it says to endeavor to accomplish something. To endeavor to accomplish something. I have fought a good fight. Let me ask you. If you did die today. Not that I want anybody to. But what, what would your life have accomplished? What, what have you accomplished? You say, Pastor Burton, I'm only 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm only whatever age you are. We were talking today. I preached chapel over at Genesee at the... Um, elementary chapel this morning. I preached on the little girl, the servant of Naaman. You know that this girl was a slave girl who got pulled from Israel, pulled away from her family, and now she's a servant to Naaman. I can tell you that if that had happened to me, I would not be have the spirit that you read about this girl having. Naaman gets leprosy. And she says to the keeper, if someone would just tell Naaman that if he would go to the prophet in Samaria, he could be healed of his leprosy. Now, I'm telling you, if you had come to my house and taken me away from my family and you had leprosy, I would hope to say I'd do better, but I'm saying I probably would laugh in your face and say that's what you get from taking me to my home. That's what you get from kidnapping and killing my family. But this young lady says, hey, if you can just get, if you can get to uh, Samuel in Samaria, he can, he can take care of that for you. I have a God that can heal you. Now, look, this is a little girl that's been kidnapped from her place. And she accomplished something in her life. She accomplished something. And this is what Paul's saying. I'm ready to pull it out. I'm ready to let it all go. My time, I'm ready to stamp the card because I'm ready to go. Because you know why I have a desire to go ahead and go to heaven? Because I fought a good fight. I've accomplished something. At the end of your life, what are you planning on accomplishing? We joke around as, as friends and say, hey, what do you desire to be as an adult? What do you desire to do for God for your life? 
the age that we were talking about before, the age that you have, like, they call it the teen years, and it kind of moves on into your college years, and then now since everybody's going to uh, the, get their graduate degrees, everybody's going to master's. So there's like an age to like 28, 29 years old, when really no one even thinks that you're accountable for anything. Pretty much everyone kind of just runs around and like, oh, well, I'm, I'm studying at such and such, and I'm doing this. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm asking, when it comes to, can, can one of you guys shut the door? Real quick, thank you for the fill. But when we look at what are we accomplishing, the other brother fell. <laughs> thank you. <Jeff. laughs> but what are we trying to accomplish in your life? Like, are you? Do you have a goal? And I know it sounds like, oh, that's so pie in the sky. But you know how many teenagers don't have a goal in their life? And you know, just like I told you guys before, how easy it is to get a teenager astray that doesn't have a goal. It's so easy. If you don't know, I'm not saying that you have to know I am going to this college and I'm only five years old, but I know I'm going to this college, I'm going to this, and I'm going here, and one day I'm going to do this. I'm just saying, what do you desire to accomplish? Paul says, I'm ready to go. Because in my life, I've accomplished something. He says, I've fought a good fight. He says, I've finished my course. I completed my race. I've completed my race. There is a a video on YouTube um, about Derek Redmond. If you know, you've probably heard him used as a sermon illustration a million times. You can write his name down. It's Derek Redmond. It's a great inspirational video to watch where he's the guy who runs in the Olympics and pulls a hamstring and he falls down, but he gets up and he like determines to finish the race even though he's in last place. And he kind of hobbles and his dad comes down and like the, the security guys try to hold his dad back. And he, but he, his dad fights through it and comes along underneath his son and puts his arm around and him and his son walk to the finish line of the race. It's, it's, it's inspirational. It's, it's great to watch. So if you think about it, YouTube Derek, uh, Redmond. But in that race, Derek said, I came to finish the race. Cause everybody said, Boom, just go off, you lost. Get, get off the track and go ahead and go back. And he was like, no, I came to finish this race. And so when we look at our life, Paul says, you know what? I've completed my course. I finished the race that God asked for me. Now, can I tell you, this is, this is my biggest fear in my life, that I would not complete the race. It is so easy. I mean, I'm not making this lightly. It is easy to start out right. It is. It, it really, because right now where you guys are at, most of your parents have set you up for success. They're working hard to make sure that you'll go the right direction. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to say your life is overly simplified, but I'm just saying most of you, you wouldn't be sitting here if your parents didn't desire for you to go forward. But you've got to finish the race. And what my goal for you, honestly, is for you to finish the race in here, and then you go into the main auditorium, and you become an adult that loves God and serves God, and you just keep going. And see, we have a lot of young people, a lot, who are running great now. Oh, yeah. I got this Christian race thing. You know what to say, you know what to wear, you know what to do. But Paul says, you know what? I've completed the course God sent for me. You know what? That's, that's one of my greatest fears. I think about it all the time. What's going to happen? What? I have to always be vigilant because I do not want to run this race and fall. I don't want to get knocked out. We talked about it earlier in 2 Timothy. Those that go for the prize, they must strive lawfully. That means they have to obey the rules that they've got set up for them. Let me ask you. Do you desire to finish the course that God has for you to run the race? So he says, I finished, I kept the faith. I mean, he goes on to say, I kept the faith. This is 
faithfully fulfilled what God has called him to do. I faithfully fulfilled what God has called me to do. He says, I've kept the faith. Paul was ready to die because of the way that he had lived. Paul was ready to die because of the way he had lived. So Paul says in this passage, for I am now ready to be offered, I'm ready to pour it out, and the time my departure is at hand, I'm ready to check it, I'm ready to go, because my time is coming, I have fought a good fight, I want to accomplish something, I finished my course, the race God had for me, I've kept the faith. What God has asked me to do, I have done it. Now, let me ask you really quickly, are the things that God's asked you to do in your life, are you doing them? God has not ask us to do a lot. Sometimes we do act like the Christian life is so terribly hard. Now I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not saying it's a cakewalk. But the things God has asked me to do, He's asked me to fellowship. He said, the first commandment, love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind. He didn't ask me to climb any mountain. He didn't ask me to do any great things. He just said, the first thing I want you to do is just love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second thing, this is Jesus Christ saying the two greatest commandments. And love your neighbor as yourself. Am I doing what God has asked me to do? Paul says, you know what? I've kept the faith. The thing that Jesus Christ has put in my keeping, I've kept it. Almost like a football player running with the football all the way to the touchdown. And then dropping that football down and saying, you know what? I carried the ball to where I needed to take it. They tried to knock me down. They tried to knock me out. But I made it to where I was supposed to go. And this is what he's saying. I've kept the faith. What God's asked me to do, I've kept it. I've hold on to it. Hold on to it. Are you keeping just the simple things that God has asked you to do? This is Paul. His last words. Timothy, I'm just trying to tell you my testimony. You know what? I fought a good fight. I accomplished something. Man, I've run the course. The race God set for me, I'm running it and I finished it. You know what? I've kept the faith. The things that God put in my care, I've run with them. You know what? I wasn't perfect, Timothy, but I tried. I got, I ran with those things and I kept the faith. He goes on and says this with confidence. And look, and I love how Paul can say these things with confidence. He doesn't say them arrogantly, but he says, henceforth. The word henceforth means besides. Furthermore, beyond that, I've kept the faith. I've done all these things. Besides all those things, he says in verse number and verse number 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all, the, all, to all them also that love is appearing. So he says, there is laid up, there is reserved a crown of righteousness. A reward for the conformity of my heart to the divine law of God. For me keeping that faith... Paul says, there's a reward laid up for me. Now, I'm going to finish the last point in just a second, but I want you to pick something for me really quick. So I want you to tune in. Now, picture Paul. Paul says with confidence. I, I'm not, he's, I don't believe he was trying to be arrogant, but he says, you know, I've done what God's asked me to do. It's a tense force. Furthermore, besides all that, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for me, who the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Now, this is what, I want to erase one thing real quick. Whenever we see crowns in the Bible, if you Google the word crown of righteousness, you're going to get a lot of crowns that look like kingly crowns. This is not a kingly crown. This crown is like the wreath that you would give an athlete. 
So you can picture like in the Roman games when they had those wreaths that they would do, and they would put them on their head. This is the crown. I know that sometimes we start singing crowns and we start singing this royal, like Jews all over it. And I know, I don't know what they are in heaven, but I'm just telling them the context says it's like a crown for a winner. Now, in Paul's day, in the Olympics they had there, they would come up and there would be, the wreath would be put, the crown would be put on the winner. Now, Paul's saying in his piece here, he's saying this. That henceforth, I've done all these things, so now Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, the one who does no wrong, he's going to give me a crown of life. Now, I want you to pick for me just a second how awesome it will be in heaven to have this moment happen to us. Like when you've lived a life that was right with God, See, this is what happens. We get so distracted by everything else. We get so distracted by the things in the world. Oh, man, I've got to do this, or I've got to have these. I've got to go hang out here. I've got to do this. And we get so distracted that we miss the most awesome thing that Paul points a picture, uh, paints a picture for us for. He says that after a crown, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. And not to me only, but to everyone that loves his appearing. So Paul says, you know what? I'm confidently going to heaven because of what I try to do for the Lord, the life I try to live, and I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day, and he's going to put a crown on my head. I don't know if that's awesome to you guys, but it is awesome to me. The thing that you will go before God Almighty, because you've lived a life, not because you were perfect, not because you never did anything wrong, but because you tried to fight the fight. You kept the faith, where God enclosed, and God entrusted to you, you kept it and you did it. And then think about one day going to heaven and Jesus Christ standing up and saying, well done. I'm putting a crown on your head. Can I tell you, that blows away any little worldly thing that we think we're missing out on because we're trying to live for Christ. But Pastor it looks so good right now. And it does. I get, I get distracted by the same things. But Paul made it because he said this, as he was running the race, hey, I faced the course of God somewhere, because I'm picturing the day when I can stand up and Jesus Christ himself stands up and says, good job, Paul. Good job. Can I tell you, that blows away anything television has to offer me. That blows away any music that I think that I think I can listen to because I think it's great. That blows away any attitude that I have of bitterness that I think I can't forgive that person. No, because living, if I keep the things that God's entrusted to me, I can picture, because Paul says, hey, it's not just for me. It's for everyone that loves his appearing. But you can have this crown. It goes on, it says, and I put on the back of your handout, and I want you to read it later in Second Peter chapter number 5. You don't have to do it now, but I want you to read it later. It just goes on to the depth of saying that we love, how do we love his appearing? If we can get the crown, it's because we love his appearing. How do we love his appearing? Well, we cannot wait to see Jesus. It's just this simple. Like, we make these, like, deep things, but it's just simple. I cannot wait to see Christ. Now, if right now, I know that Sean's small, and so it does not take a big, exciting thing to make her so excited. But I can come home and I can say, Sean, if you do well today and Mom tells me you do well... We're going to play some Mario Party on the Wii when I get home. Now, you say, you guys say, whoa, that's dumb. 
<laughs> but I will say, and we did it the other day, I said, hey, when I get home, if you do well today, we're going to play Mario Party. Me, you, and Mom are going to play Mario Party on the Wii. You know what? When I walk through the door, Shannon's going to run up. And she's going to say, Dad, 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 I was good today. Ask Mommy, ask Mommy, I was good today. And she's going to be so excited. Why? Because she looks forward to my period. I did what I was supposed to do. So then you said, if I did what I was supposed to do, we're going to go play Mario Party, right? Dad, what time are we going to play Mario Party, Dad? Well, after dinner. Oh, well, let's eat dinner right now, Dad. Are we going to eat dinner? What are we going to eat dinner? Because we're going to go play Mario Party. But you know what? This is how we receive our crown. You know what? I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. What God entrusted me, I'm doing. So that one day, when I stand before Jesus Christ, I'm not saying this in any irreverent way. But I'm just saying, I get to heaven, and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, Jesus Christ is going to give me the crown that he promised me because I did what I said. Not because I'm perfect, not because I did all these great things, but he said he's going to give me the crown. And, oh, Jesus, what do we, when do I get to get the crown? Like, I tried. I did my best. I did what you'd asked me to do. I kept the faith. And then one day walk up, and Jesus says, hey, Aaron, Aaron, you're next. Come here. Good job. I tell you, that would blow everything else in the world. It didn't matter what I missed out on. It doesn't matter what my life was. Well, I didn't get the nicest house. I didn't get the nicest No. I got to stand before God himself. And he said, good job. And he put a crown on my head. And this is what Paul's saying to Timothy. Hey, I want you to continue. Well, we've been talking about the whole book of Second Timothy. Hey, why? Paul says, because, you know what? I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to pour it out. I'm ready to check my card. It's time for me to go. My time appointed is gone. I fought a good fight. I've accomplished something. Oh, man, I've run the race. I've run the race that God had for me, and I've kept the faith. I haven't let anything go. And see, henceforth, besides all those things doing it right, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for me, and not for me only, Timothy. I mean, yeah, not for me only, Timothy, but for everybody who loves his appearing. Man. Those are Paul's last words. Paul's just like, you know what? I'm about to die. But I'm excited. Paul is looking at the fact. Now, I do not know what it would be like to go before someone and the feeling that you would feel to get down on your knees and put your head on the shopping block and to know that someone's going to swing a sharp object at your head and you are not going to make it. Like, I don't know what that, I don't know what that would feel like. I don't know what would go through your heart. I don't know. But Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to be offered. Pour me out. Because what I've been going for the whole time, I'm going to get right now. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So what are we striving for, guys? There's a lot of stuff that can distract us. Well, Pastor Brendan, this is so cool. This is so great. This is so this. Can I tell you the best thing in the whole world that you will never, ever, this will never compare is that when you stand before Jesus Christ one day and Jesus Christ calls your name because you did what you were supposed to and says good job here's your crown of righteousness let's pray Heavenly Father God I ask you to please help me God to strive for what you'd have me to strive for God to keep the faith that you called to me and God we thank you so much for the Apostle Paul I thank you so much for this letter the second letter to Timothy and second Timothy Lord as we study it Lord all the help it's been to me and God as I strive to be what you want me to be. God, I look for the day, Lord, that I could finish the course you've set for me, Lord, and you would say, well done, and you'd give me a crown. And God, I pray that you would burn it into these teenagers' hearts. 
or the importance or just the amazingness of how it will be when you call our name. And Lord, because we've done what you've asked us to do, we've kept that faith. Lord, help us. Lord, there's a lot of things that distract us. God, there are a lot of things that look so much more appealing, but God, I ask you to help us to see the reality of it all. Lord, you call us to live for you. Lord, be with us this night. Lord, as we go home, Lord, those who are going on the trip tomorrow, that you give them safety. Lord, we'll just thank you for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.